This podcast is sponsored by Kelly's Bar, Howard Street, Glasgow. Live Irish music every week from your favourite singers and bands. Check out the Kelly's social media page for more information. How are we all doing, folks? And welcome along to the Rebel Collective Podcast. My name's Coach, and in the studio today we've got John Joe Gallagher. <laughs> no bad, as yourself. Okay. <laughs> uh, John Joe's career as an Irish balladeer has continued for over two decades, whether it is a solo singer fronting the popular Glasgow Irish band The Amadans or gigging with the Benidorm Irish Rovers. Even though John Joe lives in gigs full-time in Benidorm, we're lucky enough to catch him when he's passing through Glasgow when touring with the Irish Rovers. So how's the tour going anyway, John Joe? That's fine, it's not too bad. Um, three days off there, that's the last of the three days off, and then we've got another four days ahead is, and then um, another two weeks off, and then back gigging again for a few days, and then back to Spain to embark on the new season. Okay, where have you been gigging? Where are you going to be gigging? Um, I've been everywhere. The first four days was a bit of madness. It was with Glasgow down to Oldham, Oldham to Dumfries, from Dumfries to Slough, back up to England. I've lost track actually where we've been and where we're going. I know I'm in Liverpool tomorrow and after that I don't even actually know. I think I'm in Accrington, the kind of Lancashire area. I'm in Hoyt in the borders of Scotland. And um, next month I think I'm in Liverpool again, some other places. Wait, when it's, is it's, it? on, it's on the Facebook page. <laughs> You'll see it there. Uh, usually with the podcast we, we get right back to the, the very start. Um, yeah. So can you tell us when you first picked up a guitar or started <clears> learning guitar? I first started learning guitar, uh, I was nine, and then I kind of put it down for a long time, and then, uh, well, not for a long time, for a couple of years, and I, I found Irish music, mm. for probably the age of 10 or 11, and um, there used to be a popular jam session on uh, Wednesday night, 1992, run by Huey Boyle, whose brother Charlie was originally member of Charlie and the Boys, and uh, some fantastic musicians went down there. You were going to Wednesday night, you were going to this session. It was on 90 12. Mm. It was kind of mad. Was gonna, Wait, you know, I was 12. 12? So it was kind of mad because so, I was 12 year old and I used to be in the lounge, the old lounge in the Squirrel Bar. It was kind of separated half and everybody would go to the bar and get a drink and bring it through. But it was great. It was people like uh, Kate Huey ran it as daughter Katie Boyle. She was playing there with Cherish Ladies in America, massive, massive band. Mm. And uh, they're touring. So they just done Celtic Connections actually, and um, so she was playing. She was twelve year old. She went. She was amazing, and then Huey was amazing. And all these musicians would come through. People coming through, and I went tonight. We started having kind of fiddles, and, all, and the next thing you had bagpipes and double basses, and it was that sort of really crank learning curve. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I was probably playing all the wrong chords. <laughs> I know for a fact I was playing all the wrong chords, but. It's not impressive at 12 years old. 12 year old, I so kind of started in that, and I was mad solely about Irish music. It was all about Irish music for me, obviously, my father being for Donegal. So, for that, I always wanted to play Irish music. And then they'd gone on summer holidays to Ireland and Easter and whatever, and Christmas every year, full summer holidays. I started kind of at the age of 15. Mm. 
want to play and they used to walk up and down, down on Main Street and Donegal and just jump in beside bands and say can I play beside you and everything plugged in and playing sitting playing other in cards but then I actually saved up in Union who don't go home yeah, yeah. done it beside them I think they turned me off and uh, <laughs> playing beside them so it was all about a total learning curve and then the age of 16, 17 I went right it was well I was kind of gigging with other people um, the Gillespie family was kind of doing bits and bobs with them but I was never really singing never really just mm-hmm. kind of helping out in the age of 17 I just thought right that's time now to start this and do your own kind of solo gigs yeah kind of, well, never, no it was never solo it was the, the kind of the Amadans kind of came with it for, the, the, for mm-hmm. 22 years ago what was, what was the original lineup of the Amadans? Uh, the original lineup was myself and two guys called Martin Gillespie. Mm-hmm. Charlie Boyle came on the board two or three years later after they left Charlie and the boys. And um, they were originally called the Buttheads. Right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> madness. that was because a guy, Martin Gillespie, one of the Gillespie family, nicknamed us that. And then one of the other Gillespie family called us the Amadans. I thought it's not a true word said, and then it actually been an Amadan, so we probably are. And then we went on for so it was myself, me, Martin, the mandolin, and then Martin on the bass, and Charlie on the drums. And so we thought we better change. We started in a few couple, we were gigging every summer in Ireland for the whole summer. And we're kind of going, right, we need to change this name because we're phoning up pubs and saying, do you want to book us for a, a gig? Yeah, we'll book us for a gig. What's name your band? Uh, the Buttheads. <laughs> <laughs> Forget it. For the guys, I'm going. Right, and I was going, <laughs> right, it's Amadans, and I'm going, but I kind of got around that. I think they kind of laughed and thought it was a bit nuts, so they started kind of giving us gigs. So, from there on in, then to the age of 17, kind of started tickling with the gigs, and then from the age of 19, 20, it kind of came a, a full time thing and a full time career. So, I was going kind to of went right, age of, I think, I worked up to the age, I worked, <laughs> but work. I'm still working. But uh, I worked in the, the rat race, mm-hmm. 95, um, right, okay. in an office. That's no fun. In an office, no, but what do you do when you do? But uh, to age of 22, and then for the age of 22 onwards, this is what I've done. Right, but I understand you, you went to Benidorm at quite a young age. 20, uh, 23, uh, 20, 23 year old, I went to Spain. Mm. I, um, how, how did that all come about? Again, it was the Gillespie family, two members of the Gillespie family are in, in the band that are still there to this day from 1995. Um, they were playing out there. An opportunity came for me to go, mm. and I said, oh, I'll have a one today, was playing music full time. And in Glasgow at the time, there was never a massive, there was such a big, massive scene as there is now. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, there was pubs in the south side, there's pubs in the, there's very, very, very few pubs in the city centre. There's comedy, us, you know what I mean, and uh, if at all. So the gigs were the gigs were all right. There were only there were doing gigs and it was it was all right. And uh, I thought it's guaranteed work. You're doing guaranteed work seven days a week. So I went out there in two thousand and three and I stayed for three years. Well, I left in two thousand and five. I moved to Mallorca. I'd done Mallorca and Santa Ponza, well, Magaluf and Santa Ponza for a good bit. Back to Benidorm at the end of that year and I decided that uh, I was just going to go back home and get a try. And, um, well, it's like, uh, I was young and daft, really. 
You came so back was, to when you came back to Glasgow. I came. I was, I was going. To, I, up, I was going nuts. I was going, I wasn't going nuts, but it's a guy in his early twenties would do. You know what I mean? You're, you're in a place. You can drink twenty four seven. Nightclubs are open eight o'clock in the morning. You're going. All right, and I can remember my boss pulling me in saying, "John, you listen. You're turning up late for work every night." And I'm going. I mean, I slept in. You're going, you're starting at half nine at night. <laughs> I'm going, right, well, I, I never got into any this morning. You're going, so I went, right, it's time to go home and grow up a wee bit, which I never did, but... So when, when you were in, in Benidorm, how, how did you get involved with the Irish Rovers? Because they're obviously... As I said, they came over, and um, the woman who owns the pub, Lisa, she came over and mm. said to me, the two of the boys in the band had an accident, she came over and said to me, look, was an opportunity we wanted to take on board. Mm -hmm. It was actually what happened was there was a tour, two boys had an accident. There was a tour going, going that they were going to embark on. They said um, the boys came to me and said, "Would you stand in for the lead singer?" And I said, "Okay." She turned up to one of the gigs and said, "Look, will you come over?" So I said, "Well, ah, okay." And I never really gave it. It was kind of a mad, fast kind of thing. It was like two weeks, and next thing I knew, I was in Spain and like. For three years, mm -hmm. this one was kind of like a bit of a mad one, you know what I mean? It was, it was a three-year session, <laughs> probably about a ten-year after a hangover, <laughs> and then I decided to go back. You know what I mean? It's not right, the time to go back now, no, but years later, and I decided I went right. A bit older and wiser, well, a bit older and wiser, so I can go back now. It's kind of a normal life now for me in Spain, you know. Yeah. Drive to work, do music stuff. Which people do and families do, mm -hmm. and then the weekend, the Saturday, for we pint when I'm gigging, right. and that's it. So it's a normal life. Don't mind for norm, for other people, and you kind of can understand it. You go they work ninety five, and and then we we give up our social lives to do this job. I mean, like when I was eighteen, nineteen, twenty, my mates were going out the weekend, and all booze and having a crack. Why couldn't yeah. you go out and do that? Yeah, because I was gigging. So it was so everyone's kind of back to front with us, you know, because people, normal people go and work during the day, well, we go and work at night. Mm -hmm. So there's no like a normal source. So the people go, oh, you must be, uh, you're having the best to crack up there anyway. Well, we are, but we can't, you know, plan a night. We don't plan, so we can't plan a night. Your mate goes on a Friday, goes, if your pal phones on a Saturday and says, do I go for a pint Saturday afternoon? You go, well, I can't, because I've got a gig. The night, yes, yeah. miss weddings and, Aye, and all sorts of So, that's it because you've got these things on. I mean, the functions 40s and pals, yeah. it used to be 30s and 21st when it was 40s, and they're going stag do's. And you're going, well, people going, oh, I'm going to stag do. And that's a full, that's my full. If I was it's living here, if I was living in Glasgow, you're going, that's my full week's work. Yeah. I can't miss a week's work, mm -hmm. I don't get paid. So, it's kind of, you know, but. It's the pros and cons of doing this, this job, but don't worry, I love it and I've never changed it. This is what I do and this is what I'll always do. Mm -hmm. I understand you're back in Benidorm living now, but you, you came back to Glasgow for a number of years. Yeah, came uh, back for uh, 10 years, okay. uh, for age of, uh, 2005 to 15. Mm -hmm. um, just decided at that point, um, I had enough. There's things I wanted to do in Glasgow. I miss Glasgow. I miss the table, I still do. Things you miss about Glasgow, and then you go away for Spain. I was missing things about Spain. I was going, oh, this is nothing, nothing. The sun. <laughs> but it's going, it's a happy medium life, and I just kind of think. But uh, no, so I was going, it's time to go back. And to say, I started going back to Spain doing 
and I've actually took six years without even going to Spain. And it was actually the drummer's wedding. And I went back out, enjoyed the crack at the wedding. I wasn't gigging or anything really. And um, just there for a few days. And uh, I started tickling back into gigs, tickling. And they were looking for a new singer in the pub and they were trying people out and phoning me up and saying, can you come back out for a month? Can you come out for two months? We were trying to find somebody, can you come out? And I was going, okay, which must have actually been pissing off my band, Damadans, actually, to be honest with you. But I was at the time, it was kind of, I went, right, I okay, and I was going back and forward, and for a couple of years I was going back and forward, and the spell started getting more and more, and I was studying mm. here, which probably because my spells of in Spain didn't end very, very well, actually, <laughs> I dropped at uni a month before my degree, that and uh, oh, that's what happens, I dropped at uni a month before my degree, and um, I just went, oh, I'm going back to Spain, I went, that's it, I've had enough, mm. and uh, so I knew, regardless of being in university, I knew that wasn't going to do anything else apart from music. This yeah. is my my life. I know maybe I won't be able to do it all my life, but I'm going to enjoy it while I can. Mm -hmm. While I can still do it. So I think I've still got another 20 years. Maybe. Ah, <laughs> easy. Maybe it's 20 easy. years. I'm 39 this year, so <laughs> if I hit to 60, I'm going to be, I think I'll be doing no bad. I lived to 60, okay, I think I was in no bad. When you came back, uh, the, the Amadans started with, was that when, when you got Paul Sharkey involved? Yeah. How, um, how did you fall in with Paul? He was, he was already quite well known for playing with the Blarney Pilgrims. Well, that's exactly what happened was um, Paul Sharkey, we were obviously, what's the week's nickname, the Southside Paddies. Mm -hmm. It was the Donegal thing, you know what I mean? So, um, Paul Sharkey's family's so not too far away from my family in Donegal. Yeah. We all kind of know each other on the south side, though, kind of the, the, the Glasgow Irish Donegal thing. But um, I I can remember buying the Marching Down Sackville Street CD in Ireland, actually. Yeah. In Donegal, funnily enough. And uh, that album blew me Many albums of that guy time blew me away, with the Ori albums especially. But. Um, I heard that and I was going, Paul Sharkey and I was going, brilliant. And Sean Lyons, Sean Lyons became in Amadans at that time as well. Mm. Well, Sean Lyons was in Amadans, actually, sorry, before was before I left to go to Spain. Sean was in the Amadans and yeah. uh, was an amazing musician, absolutely amazing. And um, so I came back and kind of went, I'm going to get playing drums in this band. You know, we're going to try and build it around and do things. And this is okay. And kind of got some bodies in. I was like, Paul Sharkey and the drums, Paul's and the drums. And then, I knew Paul was a very, 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 uh, really, really good trad player playing you know, whistles and flute. And he was playing accordion with somebody else doing a wee bit when he came in boarding me. So eventually down the line, he ended up in the accordion and the whistles, which worked brilliant. And I was actually talking to Paul earlier and said, when was the last time he played the drums? And he went, I can't even remember, you know. It was, right. it was a shame because it was, it was, a, great, it was a great drummer. <laughs> but the whistle and flute was just a total different level for me with him so uh, that was that you know we were kind of going whistle and flute so he ended up in the whistle and flute we go Alan on the drums and um, Alan on the drums kind of changed we changed obviously um, members through the years but um, bass players were always a nightmare for us Sorry, coach. They always are. They always Sorry, are. Bass players are just bastards. Absolute hen's <laughs> teeth. Trying to get a, the problem being is you can't get a bass player because 
every Tom, Dick and Harry wants to play the guitar and sing. Everybody wants to stand at the front of the stage. Stand at the front of the stage and go, here I am, you know what I mean? Regardless how ugly we are. <laughs> we're trying to, we're trying to uh, get by our ugliness by putting a, a bit of timber in our neck and uh, singing. So that was it. And we kind of, so Paul Sharkey was on that. We've got a really, really good, great drummer, Alan Parker, playing drums. Um, He's a real rock and roll drummer, heavy, isn't he? Heavy, big, heavy, big heavy, set, aye. I was always a mad metal. I was going first one, right? And he went, no, jazz. He's actually loves when we jazz big oh, bands oh, okay. so he was playing with a friend of his band and left them and uh, I can approach them and say do you fancy coming in with us and he says I actually would change the scenery and he'd played a good years with the Keelys and they went so in the fence time was to come to go and um, he was a bit in limbo for a while and I was obviously still working doing a lot of, lot of gigs and I got him on board and uh, so he came on board playing the drums and um, I think we went through about 20 million bass players trying to find the bass players and um, we ended up with a guy called Paul Dock who was later replaced by Danny Kelly who's doing great in the Irish scene here now he's, um, he was playing bass when I left to go back to Spain he picked up the guitar and started singing he's, he's flat out in Glasgow and then um, he's playing with Paul Sharkey now as well um, yeah. but before the same night that actually Previously to him, uh, Paul Doc, Paul Doherty started in the band. Julia Reed, well, she, she was sorry, Julia Howard. No, she was Julia Reed before. <laughs> uh, I was trying to get in. She was Julia Reed into the band. I was going, wanting to get her in then, and then, but we're, we're still trying to find a bass player. So we ended up she got married, and got a bass player, and we went, get her as well. And then uh, Julia, well, she stayed with the band from then on, and she came in and the bazooki, and. Uh, the flute and sometimes the whistles of Paul wasn't playing the whistles so like in a, but with that what we tried to do with the Amadans was and I had in the time in my head I wanted to incorporate Irish traditional music which wasn't really kind of going on at the time. well I was just playing like Irish songs but I love Irish trad music mm -hmm. and for me it's all about culture and I'm going try and get us involved you know my a pub Falcha and was bouncing with these mad stomping tunes and he's like jumping about and I was going so that was kind of I had my head for the Amadans which we did we'd done a lot of, we'd done tune sets we'd done tune sets and we were doing like three different tunes in a set mm -hmm. key changes and all that and so nobody was really doing but I was because uh, that's just what I had in my head what I wanted to do because I loved that yeah, yeah. so we were kind of going right so it was good because Julie was a very accomplished Trad player and Paul Shark was a very accomplished trad player, uh, so I was going right with two of them and the band. Maybe it was a thing in my head as well. I went, if I get some really, really good players and make, make me sound good, which nah, they did. <laughs> I, think, I think they did a wee bit. I think they did a wee bit. So I used to end up with, with Paul Dock and Danny Kelly, two of them done brilliant in the bass with Amadans, and that was the main, the actual two main bass players we had for years. Um, I was like, it was like, I thought it was a great lineup, you know. Uh, I loved it. it was a dead kind of rocky, rocky sound, you know, with the drums and banging. Everything was dead loud, and they were going right and tunes and you know. And the bazooki was playing brilliant, and Julia's there and Paul's there. So I was kind of looking about at the time and going, I've got a really, really, you know, 
a good sounding band here, and I'm, I'm happy that I would go and see them. So that's what I was looked at and going, would you go and see them yourself? I just thought, oh, what a fun can I be like content thinking, yeah, this is it, you know. Now I've got, we always did, I played with some great, some great musicians, went through the Amadans and left and fell out, you know. So that's some what great, I was. you know, one of the next member won the Young Musician of the Year award and the Celtic Connections a few years ago. And, um, Kevin Neal would play with Arthur Ryan for a bit. He was an amazing, amazing, amazing musician. Amazing fl- we had him on drums again. Another another guy. <laughs> another guy who's an amazing musician playing drums. It was the same with Paul Sharkey because I don't mean you, I don't mean that in a bad way. <laughs> you can't you can't be an amazing musician and play drums. No, I didn't mean that in a bad way. Well, you're, you're not that good at music. You go I, to the drums. I go, go, go to the back of the stage. No, because it's the back. That's the backbone of the band. If, if you've not got that. You're, you're knackered but you know but, no, I mean really really amazing technical trad players you know you go and stuff you're going shit you know mm-hmm. what has he just done you know yeah. so but uh, Paul Sharkey and Julia and uh, Danny Kelly and uh, Paul Dock before him and uh, Alan Parker and, uh, and the drums you know I was going ah, this is not really this was a good band you know and I missed them terribly so it's good when we get back together and we do a wee gig here and there, you know. We do, well, we, it's only on my actual new once a year, really. We do a gig, it's, we part the Christmas shindig, which obviously I run myself. Mm-hmm. And um, it's always good, you know, just to go back and go, right, I'm looking forward to the shindig, I'm looking forward to getting the stage with the band. I remember I think we've kind of met, I was actually me, I think I, met, I messed things up then, because I forget, they all remember because they're all good. So they're all good at what they do. So they're all they're all good at what they do. So they're going the next time on the stage going, I can't even remember what I'm doing because I'm doing the same songs as the other bands do. So there's all different arrangements, but I think we get there. We get there. But you've got the Amadans of two recordings and how can we get Healy's? You know, there, there was a there was a live one you done. Yeah, it was it. a live was the classic it's, band. I actually forgot forgot about that to the other night until um, I contacted Matt Clark. Um, contacted me about that CD and he went I mean I forgot we even done it it was actually <laughs> the first shindig we done yeah, yeah. and we'd recorded a live um, EP was it six or eight tracks on it called Incession and um, we recorded that I don't know I don't even have a copy of it. I actually put up on Facebook last night to send a copy of it and two people got in contact and they said they did Cause I think we only actually released a hundred CDs and we're just going to do this hundred CDs and we're just that's it, it's gone. Sell them at the gig, can I? No, just it was actually we released sell them at the next Shindig. No, we actually released them for St Patrick's weekend. Okay. We ran up to St Patrick's weekend and went. Well, I recorded it and I said we're not going to actually do this as an actual CD and um, we'll just do a hundred CDs and that's it out the way and we'll never re-release them. So we done that. I wish we did because I'd probably have a copy myself. So <laughs> we really so we released that, done that, and went in the studio. So the, after the back of that, we went, okay, go in the studio, we record. Great. Go in the studio, book studio time. I don't know, God knows how much studio time. I must have done about three months in the studio. I swear to God, if I were to lie, I must have been doing, I think. Guns N' Roses' last album was probably mm. shorter, right, than the long to record this. That will never been released. <laughs> but it was finished, and it's still there. And it should probably get released. It might do what, it might get an error. 
What happened with it was was bass players. That's what happened with it again. Brexit <laughs> people. No, what happened was assholes. Uh, <laughs> uh, the bass player who was in the band at the time, a guy called Kieran. He was a great wee bass player, fantastic. He left the band. I was a young, the young guy. Yeah, I remember. He was a fucking great bass player. Brilliant, aye. absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And um, he left the band, so went. But Julia wasn't in the band at that time, so we started on the same night in Foucher one night, Paul Doc and uh, Julia. So I says, right, rest, let's go for this again. After a wee while, about a year down the line, we were playing together, everything was going great. We started doing some new stuff together and we are going, right, let's go and let's... Me and Paul Sharkey, me and Paul Sharkey kind of made the decisions in the band. Nobody, no, everybody in the band's equal. And that's, in my opinion, that's always the way a band should be treated, that every person should be equal in a band. Mm-hmm. But me and Paul, Doc, me and Paul Sharkey, so they always kind of, right, kind of knock our heads together and think, what can we do with this? So we went, right, okay, let's book the studio time. Okay, book the studio time. Let's take all the bass tracks back out there and yeah. put them all back in with a new bass player, Paul Doc. Paul Doc puts all the new bass ones in. Julia comes in, so obviously she has to put down all the bazooki on top of this, because obviously recording, for people who don't know about recording, it's like, if it's done individually, it's not done... Aye, right, aye. We don't stand in a room and all play together, because people will probably find all your mistakes. Everything's done individually, so the song's built around the bass and drums and guitar, and then everything comes in, playing on top of the vocals and whatnot. So, put Paul Dock on, and Julia, then she comes in doing her harmonies, doing her bazooki, and then doing her flute, etc. Great. Starts getting to the end of that. Kind of lost track of kind of time. We stopped kind of recording. Paul Dock left the band. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Danny Kelly comes in. I'm going... Fuck this, I'm going right. I'm not going back into that studio. Because <laughs> <laughs> I sat through every recording, everything was coming in and out, and they were coming in, people were work, they were coming in after work, Paul Sharkey going after his work, his work gear on, fucking rigger boots and donkey jacket. He'd come in and play the whistle, and go, right, what time are we? We're in eight o'clock, right, I'll be done at five, I'll leave work early. So he's coming for hard day's graph. <laughs> he's playing the whistle, and I'm, I'm lying on his couch listening to this. It's a tedious, tedious, tedious thing recording, recording the uh, music, and God knows I actually went to university and studied it, and I don't know how actually I did it because I could have never took a job in it. I'd have probably end up smashing the studio up, losing the plot, with everybody running about me, and, and sitting there myself sulking. So uh, I went right, okay. Um, so I was sitting through the whole lot of this recording and listening to these songs over and over and I thought I couldn't even listen to this. I've not listened to it actually in years. And um, so then, Paul, then Danny Kelly's came in the bass and I thought, oh no, no, no. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going the, anywhere near that studio. <laughs> I'm not taking the bass back out and sit and listen to this for another four days. <laughs> 10 hours a day, sitting for 40 hours, sitting listening to this one album going over and over and over. <laughs> and I think I was trying to pick up the courage for the years of Danny, was, Danny played, we all played the, the, the band out. There was no bands now, not out, but um, before I moved to Spain, I kept thinking the back of my head, I need to go back in and do this. But I was going, well, Danny's an Amadan now. He is an Amadan. Danny is an Amadan. <laughs> <laughs> Danny's an Amadan now. 
you know, he's my mate, and I'm going like that, and I'm going, he has to be in this, because I can't have, obviously, the last bass player on the album, and Danny No Park in the album, you know, so yeah. it's no right. I get It's that. no right, because yeah. I said, everybody's equal. Mm. Everybody's equal. Maybe it's a socialism. The socialist within me, you know, but everybody's equal, so I'm going, you know, be shitting him. And, um, but we'd fell away for the recording before that, I mean, we should have got, pulled our socks up, but we maybe go back and, and finish it. Well, it was, it was actually finished. It was finished. We just never went through the final mastering proper session to, to actually do it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even know how many years ago that was now, actually, we stopped recording, maybe six years, probably six years, four years back in Spain, so six, seven years. And um, Time flies. So just, aye, six, seven years since we stopped recording that album. And we churned a lot, a lot of money into that. A lot, a lot of money, actually, <laughs> thinking back now. A right, good few grand. And then um, for it to sit there and do nothing. I'm sure, man, I'd like to actually probably put it out. I would probably put it out somewhere. And um, I've gave some tracks to, to different things. Um, for release, most notably, um, Cairn for Glass Nevin, done the Palestine CD. Mm -hmm. And um, we recorded a song on that album called, uh, another album, the Amadans album called I'd Rather Be Dancing by Jim Page, who speaks about Rachel Corey, mm -hmm. um, who was obviously killed by um, a caterpillar bulldozer, yeah. American-made supply to Israel. And uh, that song got me, man, stuck to me, and like that song, I'd go home, I'd been, anytime I was out drunk, I'd go home and put it on, sitting ball my head off, you know, yeah. sitting watching on YouTube, and so I thought, I'm going to put that in the album. And I did, and we done actually, I think, I'd like to think we'd done quite a good version of it. People come back, I always get feedback after, after that song, actually, because we put on Cairn's Palestine CD, which was great, some great songs on it, for different artists. But people always say, man, that song is great, you know, and I've never actually done it live. And after the only thing I've ever done it was in the studio and I kind of... Do you never ever play that with Amazon and that song? Never. Never, really? Never yeah. ever, ever, ever done it. And people come up to so to this day and randomly, there's not all the time, but people have got that Palestine CD because nobody had the... Obviously had the... I think there was a, there was a video on YouTube, a collage kind of video that somebody put up that um, I gave permission to, to do. But mm. then, I don't know what happened, actually. I took it down. <laughs> but I took it down. And... Uh, so people are hearing it and going, that song's brilliant, so I'm doing no dinner. I went, I can't, I can't, so it was one of the songs that's actually hard to have to sing, actually, mm. to be honest with you. It's a really, really hard song to sing, you know, because I can be a bit of an emotional guy as well, you know, yeah. through this rough exterior of the producers. Here's John Joe, here's Mad John Joe. But you know, but you go. An emotional challenge. That, that was one song that actually totally kicked me in the balls. And then. Um, so no, so I got good feedback after the back of that, you know, when that song went out and I went, listen, randomly actually, maybe in my father's car one night, my dad had it in the car, yeah. and they picked me up, I was in Glasgow, and I was going, what was that, I had that in years, and I turned it up in the stereo, and I'm listening to it, and I'm going, it's actually really, really good, it's actually all right, I should have put that out, but don't be right, I'm kind of, I'm the type of person who's always, well, turn around and go, oh shit, that's not good enough, mm. that's not good enough, yeah. you know, like, you listen to sessions, you go, oh no. There's a few, obviously, there's a few albums with me on it with the, with the Benidorm Rovers, and there was one, a live one, where I myself and a few of the boys were the same, a live album, we went, and it was for uh, Leeds Irish Centre, and we're all a bit intoxicated. 
<laughs> I dropped my casper. I dropped my casper. I thought I'll just put it out anyway. And I remember speaking to the the and another guy's the band Dave from Dublin. I says, I went, I just got that. Somebody just broke me out that uh, live album. And they went, I've never listened to it. And I went, right, I'm not listening to it either. Where do we get a copy of this? <laughs> <laughs> I was actually, we were actually still knocking it out to me two, three years ago. And I'm going, I don't know, I've never heard it. I just tell you, I was in the Shamrock Bar before I moved back one day. And Benidorm, obviously, where I play seven nights a week in the Shamrock Bar. And, um, and it was on. But I never even paid attention because everybody and uh, every every member in the Rovers is a singer. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody sings songs. You know, like I could do a gig one night and like, sing less songs than the, the drummer. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just the way it is. We're kind of collective, always trying to buy stuff. And then everybody's a frontman singer. Bassman's a frontman singer. Drummer's the biggest frontman singer. <laughs> He's just big on life. It's actually Casper Circus. <laughs> I mean, everything's kind of good in him. And uh, Mick Ward, you know, Mick's, Mick's brilliant. Mick's amazing. Whistle, flute player, saxophone, and everything. And he sings amazing. So, um, what about sir? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> so it's kind of based... Like, the, the, the Irish Rovers CD. Aye, so it's based on that. So, so, sorry, so I'm sitting in the pub and I've listened to it. And Dave was singing a song. And the next thing... I heard it was live and I heard talking. I was sitting just myself. I was over that's on a holiday, I think. And I went, shit. And I went, how's Leeds Ida saying that? My mind actually went back like four years before it to the actual gig. Because I can remember the jokes that were cracking, which I can't even mention actually, like, <laughs> over this. <laughs> and I actually came back to him and I went, shit, I can remember being there. And I was listening and I was just sitting going, oh, but it was actually not too bad, but I was going, Fucking hell, man, I was going, you know, your mind was taken back <laughs> to something. And I just said to the barmaid at the time, uh, Siobhan, I was going, Siobhan, I went, is that better doing Lovers Live in Leeds? And she went, yeah, uh, yeah, that's this. And I was going, fucking hell, I was going, that was that CD. You need to get us a copy of this so we can play a wee, a wee segment of it. I know. Um, <laughs> No, we've we done, we done a lot. We've done that with also the Rovers. With the Rovers, with the original, the Rovers changed, uh, obviously, staff, you know, members of the band for the years like mad, you know, as well. It's actually Sam Adan, it's actually a lot of bands. And uh, especially, obviously, packing up your house and living and moving to another country. It's a kind of big thing, obviously, in Spain. So people kind of came and went. But, um, no, it's, it's just, it's obviously... It's, it was great, you know, it was great, obviously, playing um, with, with the studio, well, with the original band, you know, the original band from 1995, with the, and that kind of came in at the end. I was like the first member, with Shane Farrell um, before me, but I was the first member to come in with we that fold, mm-hmm. and um, we recorded an album, uh, Session On, and uh, that was, that was, that was actually, I quite liked that. It was all right, yeah, it was quite a good CD, and... Um, Again, don't have a copy of that. God even knows what that's. <laughs> Mad to sold Somebody must have a copy of it. Actually, we did sell quite a lot of that, but um, I tend to that kind of self-criticism thing. You, know, you, can sit and go, uh, you don't want to hear yourself. No, I don't want to hear myself. And yeah. I, can, I can worry about things and go, shit, you know, do people like me? You know, but you go, all oh, right, so then you can sit yourself and go, obviously they do. You're, you're working a lot. You're doing so you go right to do, but 
I never let things kind of go to your head and think you're a superstar. Aye, you know what I mean? Aye. And no prima donna fucking thinking, you know, because you go like, yeah, I always look at other people and go, oh, he's brilliant, you know, mm-hmm. he's excellent, he's excellent. And I never, ever, ever in a million years, never, never leave my lips as somebody's shite. Aye, aye. You know, because I don't believe in it. Yeah. It's a hard enough job to do without putting somebody down. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to say, aye. like, I've heard through the years other musicians go, oh, that guy's, blah, blah, that guy's not as good as me. And they go, it's bullshit, man. Yeah. No, that's exactly. bullshit. That's bullshit. I mean, people like myself, put myself in even the same category, but people like myself and Gary Ogg and Paul Shedden, we just go through life doing our thing. Mm-hmm. Doing our thing. And if people like it, might come and see us, brilliant, no, we'll share our music. Mm-hmm. But never belittle somebody. No. And no, that's, we don't, we just do our thing. There's a third musicians doing things and saying things. You know, like, and you're going, you know, you're going, shit, it's a hard job, you know what I mean? Which is great, but it's great. It's amazing singers coming through the scene now. <laughs> Chris Crookshank, I know, he's nah, amazing. Crookie, come on, come on, join in. <laughs> Chris Crookshank. No, but you know, you're looking at musicians in the Glasgow IDC, you know what I mean? Chris Crookshank's popped his head in the door there, but Chris Crookshank, Connor Kelly, amazing, brilliant. I mean, Connor burst on the scene like a few years ago and Loving me bits, we guy yeah. brilliant. I mean, we care, and there's some musicians you go, brilliant, you know, and you're going, I love that. I want people to do well. You know what I mean? I want, people, I want people to come yeah. on the scene. I want people to come on the scene, do brilliant, play brilliant, and make the scene bigger. Yeah. You know, make the scene bigger, don't you? Yeah. You know, like, oh, it's all about me. That's nonsense, you know, like, so no, that's, so, and that's enjoying that, you know, I mean, that's what playing music's all about for me. You know, it's not that. Especially, as I said, how hard it is and what we do. It's about celebrating Irish heritage and culture yeah. and being Irish diaspora here in, in Scotland. Mm-hmm. I don't know about Scotland, England, Wales, America, Australia, where you are. It's about celebrating who you are and where you're from. And that's what it's always been about me for my music career. It's, it's all about Irish culture and heritage. Just, just to kind of wrap up this this section, Giorgio, uh, we'd a... We had a guest on a few months back, David Rovix. Yep. And he was talking about Alistair Hewlett. Alistair Hewlett. Uh, best of pals. understand he taught you guitar for a wee while. He did. Is that right, yeah? He did. <laughs> he did. How the fuck did that happen? Because he's, he's a bit of a legend. I didn't even know he was a legend oh, at the time. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. I went to my mate's shop and um, I came back from Spain. I literally just came back from Spain. I had the things in my head that I wanted to do. And one of the things I had in my head I wanted to do is I wanted to learn. So I did. It's hard to explain. It's called alternative tunings, playing the dad got drop D and learning, learning more things. I kind of went. I'm not really going to do this here and now in Spain, playing seven days a week, age of twenty three to twenty five, mad partying every night, eight o'clock in the morning, sleeping for work at half past nine at night, running <laughs> down the street, grabbing a subway sandwich in the way, ten minutes late, trying to scoff it down your face as your indigestion as you're running at the pub. <laughs> And the band are sitting waiting on you, you know, so I went, right, we'll go back to Scotland, dry out, dry out, get fatter, it was ten, it was ten and a half stone. Dry out in Glasgow. <laughs> I don't know, that worked out well, did it? Fuck's sake. Land back in Glasgow, man, Jesus Christ, end up meeting up with all you maddies. So, <laughs> did the gala get on a Monday? Fucking, the weekends had to go on into Mondays, we're going, I'm getting you back to Spain. So, um, no, I said in my head, I went, I want to learn this, but I went, right, I'm going to go, I'm going to take lessons. 
I think I was speaking to a few people, I'm going to take some lessons in this, just to get my kind of head to be a bit kind of around the basics here, and I'll run then with, with I'm taught, and you know, I can teach myself, I've no teach myself this, I still even don't know how to do it. I still don't know dad, gad, you know what I mean? I do, I played a wee bit of it, you know, but still do, but, but you know, I should have probably done more about the way that lessons because I didn't actually realise at the time how great a musician Alistair Hill it was. Yeah. Um, but what had happened, I went to my mate's guitar shop, fantastic guitar shop in the south side of Glasgow, which I'd highly recommend to him. It's an independent, you know, it's owned. I actually bought my first guitar from his, the guy that owns, Charlie owns his father, called Southside Music. And um, I don't know, I was nine. And uh, no, actually, my second guitar was about 10 or 11. And um, I went to him and I said, Look, I might learn dad, gad, alternative tunings. And he says, Well, I says, who do you recommend? He went, I know a guy, Alistair, brilliant, amazing. He says, go to him. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. I says, right, go and see how this guy. So I phoned the guy, spoke to the guy, the guy was dead nice. He says, come into my house. So I went into his house and um, and he says, just play the guitar. And he says, I'm playing the guitar, smashing this guitar to pieces, playing away, <laughs> singing away. I can't remember what it was. And it was all, it was Irish music, any Irish songs, and it was, that's all I've really ever done. Singing about these, and then um, and then uh, he says, "Okay, man, you play. Use a heavy use of the plectrum." So I said, "You're not kidding." <laughs> <laughs> Still punching the guitar. So he's got. He says, "Aye." Ah, he went, "I'm on a fingerstyle player." He says, "But I can adapt to you, no problem. No, no shit, Sherlock, you adapt to." You know what I mean? So he says, "Okay." He says, "Coming in next." He says, well, "Can I? Bet it'll be a bit over time." He says, "I'm on the half now." I can't remember what I was paying him. I can't remember that long ago, right? And then uh, 14 years ago. So I says, okay. I says, no, but I'll pay you extra. And he went, no, no, don't be silly. No. I said, no, I'll pay you for your half an hour, you know. It was meant to be an hour rate, so I'll pay you the other half. No, 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 no. Enjoyed it. Okay. And he uh, says, come down the next week. So never thought anything there. Guy's opened the door. Looks at him and he's wearing a T-shirt. James Conley on it. <laughs> and it says the British have no right in Ireland, never had any right in Ireland, and never can have any right in Ireland. <laughs> and I looked at him and I went, Oh, aye. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, we're going to go on just fine here. You'll do for me, right? <laughs> so I'm just going, This is the kiddie for me, right? So, and that time, but I left when I was 22, 23, about Spain, and I was mad listening to, like, listen to all listening to that time, but. I never delved as much into folk music, which I should have at that age. And um, I remember Alistair and he says, um, so I was kind of looking about his, so I started kind of looking about his, the wee room he ever in, um, doing lessons in. And uh, I seen these CDs, Red Clydeside, which he'd recorded, and Roaring Jack, which is, I don't he started talking to me, we started speaking yeah. after it. It's a massive, massive band in Australia called Roaring Jack. Yeah. And um, his solo career was great as well. And um, so he says, um, I'm like, I'm going, this guy's brilliant. <laughs> Fucking, he's a mad socialist. And uh, do for me, James Collin in a t-shirt. Oh, I'm mad for this. Like, I'm saying to him, do you know the Samsung, mate? It's kind of on, man. Dad, dad. Fucking dad, dad. Get the beers in the valley. So, he's going, uh, so, he's uh, so, 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 and then they went, right, have you heard it gone? And I went, no. Where did he? Yeah, yeah. Thank God, you know what I mean? I don't know how, where was I? But I know where I was. 
whole time I up to there, oh, I was listening, it was Eddie Orgat and Ride Barney Pilgrims, you know, I don't mean that, that was a great thing to listen to. Right. You know, I didn't listen to half of that, I wasn't even doing what I was doing, so I was going, yes, I was just, just submerging myself in all this, but, and, uh, and actually, this is probably what I listened to, actually, the generation, and, uh, so I was going, all right, she's going, eh, take this CD, Dick Gone, and Fill the Earth, and he says, um, take a copy of it, he went, I'm sure Dick won't, won't mind, he went, he's got, and uh, he said, I'm sure Dick won't mind, and he started laughing, he's doing all right anyway, he kind of laughed, he was laughing away, I didn't even realise it was, it was his mate, it was his pal, I think they'd done, it was part of Celtic Connections a few years ago, um, a tribute night to Alistair Holland, Dick Gone, mm-hmm. he was up there singing, so we kind of started studying this, and then uh, the guy was it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing, and uh, such a really, really just really, and every lesson was going on and a half, and I was going through the whole ring rigmarole again. There's an extra ten, fifteen pound or whatever it was, you know, for your for the half an hour. No, 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 no. The guy was just a pure yeah. soul, really, a pure soul, so but enjoyed. I think he might be bounced after crack, knowing what I was all about. You know, <laughs> aye, I'm yeah, going to go and him as well. Do you know this or not? I don't know what you know. What I'm saying, oh, actually, <laughs> I'm going. You know, this and he's going. No, and I'm going. All right, great tune, right? And uh, so too, so we done a good few lessons. It was a shame because what happened then was um, he says to me, "When oh, he says, well, I remember six or eight lessons or something, but it was nice. It was really, really nice. I enjoyed, really enjoyed it. And he taught me some, some." Great, great things, you know, and then he really did, and it kind of opened up to me. And then he went, I says, was, uh, he says, I can't make it next week. I said, Why? And he went, I'm going to, and he was doing gigs in Italy, and I think after that he was going to somewhere else, um, South America or America or somewhere. Um, I can't remember now where it was going, but he was kind of out of the game for a couple of months, mm-hmm. and after that, we never went back to it. Yeah, yeah. We never went back to the lessons. So we never went back to the lessons, and then. Um, I wasn't until after Alistair died, I found out like, months later, and I was going, shit, I went, I went to his funeral, you know, in a minute, because I thought the guy was an absolute legend, amazing, amazing, amazing musician, really, really, I was so lucky to actually pick the brains of a guy like that, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember going to Charlie's and Southside Music, and, this, and uh, the guy put me in contact with him, I was in there one day, and I went, you bastard, I mean, you never told me Alistair died, and he went, John, I thought you knew, and I went, no, she would tell me, and she went, fuck, he went, I'm sorry, and I went, I went he, I'm sure Alice would have laughed about it, you know what I mean, yeah. but I would have liked to have went and paid my respects to the man, because he was a great, great man, you know what I mean, then he had great, great things about him, you know, and great beliefs, and it's an absolute, you know, great thing, we all have, you know what I mean, we all have, yeah. between me and you, know, you know what I mean, we, the day we have great beliefs and it's a strong, strong, strong thing that never leaves us. It never left him. So I was very, very lucky to be under his wing and him to show me a wee bit, a small, small wee bit of what he knew. You know what I mean? I was always the one I could never stand idly by Watched while the bullies beat up on the weak I had to do something to try And I never gave up on people 
We could be better somehow The rattle these compass You gave it to me And I, I still follow it now Well I couldn't stop thinking about it I couldn't get it out of my mind The pictures, the stories The plight of the people In the occupied Palestine How my government makes me complicit With the political aid that they sent So I packed up my bags and I headed to Rafa To work for the ISM And I'd rather be dancing Dancing and falling in love But if I can just watch from a distance And what am I made of? Mama, these people so good to me They treat me like one of their own They fit me in the seat of my knees And they let me sleep in their homes Papa, the lives are so hard Gunshots every night Roadblocks, strip searches, humiliations Papa, it just isn't right I feel my privilege around me It's there in my American face I could wave my passport around like a flag And I'd, I'd be safe in this place For these child soldiers of Israel Look like the boys back home And if it wasn't for American money They'd have to leave these people alone And I'd rather be dancing Dancing to Pat Benatar Somebody's gotta do something about it, and here we are. Running away. Sometimes you have to face up to the danger. There's just no other way. For they're such beautiful dreams I've seen in the eyes of a child. And if I can make just one little difference, then I think my life is worthwhile. And I'd rather be dancing. But instead I'm saying goodbye Oh, we'll meet again when it's over Don't you cry And I'd rather be dancing Surely we'd all rather be One day we'll dance in a world That's peaceful and free
Right, Jojo, next sex on the podcast, a wee pop quiz. Oh, so, you've not heard any other. <laughs> First question. No comment. <laughs> Second question. No comment. <laughs> so, why? I've been held here. <laughs> you had a charge against me. Let me go. <laughs> right, anyway, serious faces and all right, that. Right, okay, <laughs> sorry. Why? Pop music, Sorry, rebel quiz then. <laughs> Why this type of music over other genres? That's basically what was brought me. My father's came from Donegal to, to Glasgow when he was ten year old. Um, I never knew any other kind of life apart from being an island. I never knew a fun holiday till I was sixteen. Mm. I left school, went with my mates, and it was really, really installed in me, the Irishness. And um, at, the age of, at the age of 10, I kind of started getting really, really into Irish music and um, from my brother. And um, my dad used to, I don't know, my dad, then, my dad used to play Dubliners records constant in the house. And yeah. I remember my dad singing, my dad would be playing tapes in the car, cassette tapes, I'm sure people don't even know what that is now. <laughs> <laughs> playing cassette tapes in the car. And if you're singing away, you know, natural gas would burn your ass, you know, and I'm going, so I'm sitting in the car, young as hell, listening to us, and uh, I, it was just natural for me, and that's, and when people go, that's all, I've, like, when I listen to, like, and been into and wanted to play, but and people, kind of noisy, like, they're in Spain, you know, I've had a few kind of people, and uh, English people, and they're like, don't know, but English people don't really, no Irish music come into the pub it's nice of them to come into the pub you know and listen to music and we do a big mix of kind of music as well and, and that band you know yeah. we do a lot of covers etc but and they'll come up and say to you do something you enjoy <laughs> do something you want to put do, 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 do something you, you, you're into and I went this is what I'm into you know this is what I'm into I'm into this no <laughs> makes it sound mad to you but I fucking love it <laughs> This is fucking the you know, but so it's just what I do. It's all about, as I say, that I know it's celebrating Irish heritage and culture and who you are and what you are, and don't be ashamed of it. You know, people back in the day, you know, it was like when I was young, growing up in the west of Scotland, and it was like I've been a victim. You know, kind of, was I kind of being ashamed of who you are? But it's like fucking kind of class, kind of second class citizens mm -hmm. in the eighties and early nineties and. Sure, before my father, before I was born, you know, in the seventies, well, probably maybe did actually say that to him, but, <laughs> but <laughs> they're just kind of going, you know, it's kind of you're working the same. It's still there, an extent. But I remember being young and uh, training, uh, trying, leaving school, trying to get an apprenticeship to be a mechanic, and uh, my mum said to me, "Don't put John Joe Gallagher on." application forms which is about John Gallagher to make her name sound less Irish aye yeah, yeah. and I tried to leave that job two years into the apprenticeship because he'd been the victim of anti-Irish racism seriously yeah. oh no I was getting a lot a lot of shit you know in that job you're feeling this and you're tag and I was kind of going like, okay fair enough and just get on with it and then I started 16, 17 and then 17 then I started reading books and just kind of got away with my mind you know and into politics and Whatever, and I was going to go and write, fuck you. you know, Aye, I was yeah. like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. I remember something came to my head and I went, I just walked out one day and I went, fuck you. I was, I, I was banging right, so actually, to actually done them for what they'd done to me. Because um, it was 
Lord, it was definitely an season. It's still a it's still a lively day, but I think it's a slightly better place for us. But now I think the generations are coming through now. They're not ashamed of who they are. Yeah. You know, they're strong in the Glasgow Irish scene, you know, Irish scene around the world, but everybody's proud of who they are. And, you know, and there's like, we won't be victims of this mm. anymore. You know what I mean? We won't sit back. We're not sitting in our corner. We're out and we're here. As the week said, this is a city, these are our colours. Yeah. And it's true. You know, we're taking over. Look at the Irish bars. I've talked about this earlier on, myself and Gary Ogg. We've gone, oh, back in the day, there was only a couple of Irish bars in Glasgow City Centre. It was a total different thing. So you can play this music in the South Side, but you can't play that in the City Centre. Yeah. No, that was it. No, that was the thing. You can, you can play that in there. You know, with your, your South Side paddies. We're going to go, but don't be coming up here in the city centre. We need that, it. We need it toned down. Yeah, but that madness, we're going to go. Ah, right, okay. And the, the tide's turned. Mm. The tide has turned, and everything's changed. And looking at the Irish bars, I was sprouting up in Glasgow city centre. The place has gone mad. You know, the Huns must be kicking them. Not. No, wait, maybe you're going. Going, oh, this is us, you know, we've got an identity now, mm-hmm. and the, the generations come through, and I hope to God, I'm sure it will, because actually, I think the younger generation don't actually realise how bad it was, you know, being young, and your ma saying to you, I don't want to get yourself to tell, well, but getting you, but your mother worried mm-hmm. about you going in the street, yeah, where yeah. yourself to talk, yeah. and being from an Irish family, Especially where we lived, you know, we lived at the time. It was like we were very, very much a minority where we lived, and um, but no, it's it's changing the so that's for me. It's a be being who you are, and celebrating that, you know, never forgetting, you know, Irish music will always be my thing. It always has been my thing. I do a wee bit. I joined back to the band on Rovers. We're doing covers, you know. Stereophonics and whatever, you know, I'm going, fuck, I don't know any of this. <laughs> so, I've had to learn that. I started doing a couple of these kind of songs myself, and I was even in the 90s, I was into Oasis and Ocean Colour Scene, but I never played it. I never played any of that music. Yeah. I loved listening to it, right? Loved listening to it. But it was Irish music, then 90s indie, and it always will be. That's for me, my generation, Irish music. 90s indie and that's it you know that's that's it Irish music always do you have a favourite rebel band or political band oh, <laughs> I wish you never asked me this question I man. See, see I feel as though these questions are kind of sprung on folk it was like ah fuck I wish I'd a week I wish I'd a week to think about it when I was young being Donegal every American Dunlow Festival the Irish Brigade were playing seven nights a week mm-hmm. on his bar Seven, eight, seven days, double shifts. This was back in the early 90s. And uh, I would pop my head in during the day and listen to a bit of them. Loved it. Great. I remember coming back from Donegal on Uncle Tony's bus, Dottie's coaches from the Gorbals that always ran uh, my dad's bum bus. And um, I remember a guy I went to school with. I was 1996, I just left school, 16. And a guy in the bus said to me, have you heard this band, Eddie Ogg? The CD, amazing. I went, no. So got off the bus, his father was picking him up. And his father knew my dad and he said to him, he says, oh, I'll drop you 
Andy Mason, I was at your the, the house, of course, no problem. So thank you very much. He said, give me a tenner, run the brazen head, get a CD. I says, all right. Went home, my dad and dad were still in Ireland. My and dad were still in the house in Ireland. So I went back to an empty. And uh, <laughs> back to an empty. Fuck me, my neighbours must have been pissed oh, off. We had a CD here. Annihilating it. Annihilating the CD. It was just non-stop, morning and night. And then, so then, Atom and I, but as, uh, the CD, my last farewell. Beautiful. Terry, actually, the lead singer, Terry, Terry is actually a second cousin of mine. I never, I never knew that two years later. His mother's my, my, my father's first cousin, for done go. And um, so I started listening to that, and the time she'd been, the stuff that was coming out, the time was amazing. She'd been, I mean, this band there, you see, oh, fucking hell, man, I'm going, this is, this is punk. I'm going, this is fucking amazing. And then, and then the Blarney Pilgrims, marching down Sackville Street, and I'm going, fucking hell, dude. It's a shame the way the music's changed, the way the format of music's changed, people with digital downloads, because back in the day, the bands were putting out CDs and people were going to gigs and buying CDs. It was more accessible. People were actually going out and buying a, a copy of CD and going home and put it in the CD player and listening to it. So, all these bands were bringing out all these fantastic, fantastic stuff. And I'm going, fucking hell, no. These rebel bands are going, this is amazing. So, for me, probably in that sense, the rebel scene is, um, is what I can't say who it is. That's I can't. A, it's a, I can't. It's a hard one. I could turn yeah. and go. It was Eddie They got me into it. I'm going. I love the punk as you've been. Oh no, wait a minute, man. I asked him, right, but probably that was beautiful. You know what they done? Or the Blarney Pilgrims. They were doing trad tunes in the middle, in the middle, yeah, in the middle yeah. of the rebel songs. The which I eventually came back to Glasgow and started going. I went and did a bit of that as well. I went and did the same thing. So it was all the same. As far as Irish bands as a whole, then obviously first and foremost. Uh, only can ever be the Pogues. You know what I mean? Shane McGowan is an absolute living genius to mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. The guy's like a total god. I've actually the privilege to meet and drink me a few times years and years ago and backstage at concerts and everything the best of crack. And um, I was absolutely, actually, when I did, I was in total awe. It was like being, for somebody to be well, there. It's, it's, like it's like being an Elvis fan, but Elvis... No, I was actually sitting pissed, crying my fucking head up, I think, in Dublin, backstage in RTS in Dublin, going, oh, 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 I'm so ashamed of you. Like, I know. So, I, that, um, the Pogues, was like, that's like Irish. That was just a thing new about Irish punk bands and all that in America, and you know, Flog and Murray and Top Gamer. The Pogues done that mm-hmm. years and years ago, before. When yeah, I, oh, yeah, when yeah. When I was wee. Yeah. To think that they'd done what they'd done. And they'd done it at a time, which was a fucking hard, hard thing to do in London. You know, <laughs> London. Guy, it was crumbling around about them. The bombing you know, campaign. was going around about them. They, 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 they bombed, they, they, and even when they go big, these songs, you know what I mean? Stuff that they were doing and lyrics that were throwing in, you know what I mean? Tonight, six men lay dead, kicked in the head. And you're going, that's, you know, to have the balls to do things like that, always the pokes, you know what I mean? Always the pokes. But what about a, a favourite rebel song or political song, not necessarily an Irish rebel song? Either that's, or. That's 
That's a que- that's a question I just gotta clean the answer. You know, <laughs> you know like I go through periods of like obviously I love ballads. I love ballads. I, don't, I love playing like the punch in the air, mad songs, you know. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? I love that. I love ballads. I love playing ballads, you know, capturing trying to capture people. I always think with Ice Rebel music is great because if you can kinda educate I mean educate, but if you can get something in somebody's head. Yeah. And somebody to go it's back. It's getting the word out a lot. Of, you know. It's folk music. That's what folk yeah. music is. Folk music was actually people telling stories. Yeah, yeah. You know, and telling yeah. stories and news for generations and generations. And it's still, it's still what it is. So if you could... So for me, you know, I go for periods of going, oh, I'll latch on a song, go, oh, God, that song, you know what I mean? You know, fucking... Only the rivers run free, you a spell. People loving that. And then go, oh, I've not done four green fields in years. Oh, I've done four green fields and... It changes constant, mm-hmm. you know, with that wee song that I love doing. You know what aye, I mean? aye. It changes constant, that song. I can never have heard, because especially the, the Republican music, everything's individually great, mm-hmm. you know, and everything tells a story. So there's no, there's yeah. no fucking, for me, the music not all right, but it's just, for me, it's a story. You know, yeah, there's yeah. a story, and that's the thing, you know what I mean? So that's, so... I can't even really give an answer to that song. It's a tough one to put somebody in the spot. I, 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 I can't. I can't. Where, where do you see uh, yourself in 10 years? Where will John Joe Gallagher be in 10 years? Dead, Joe. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No, um, I'm enjoying life in Spain. I live in a, a small place called Lanathia. Um, outside, which is a big place, but it's, like, it's nothing like Benidorm. I live outside Benidorm. I live a quiet life. And my missus and two stepkids. And um, it's like a 20 minute, 25 minute walk to near a shop, a pub. And I like that. I like that. I want quietness in my life. I enjoy quiet and solitude. Mm. So I'm enjoying life like that, you know. You know and that. Uh, so you've, you've brought two songs to performers and Julia and Paul Sharkey. Yeah, have, Julia and Paul Sharkey. Man, I always need to keep the movement and make me sound good. <laughs> 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 oh, I missed Alex, him. I absolutely missed him, missed him terribly. Missed him absolutely terribly. I mean, absolutely a pleasure playing with him in Amadans. I mean, a pleasure playing with him in Amadans, but um, no, so when you asked me to do this, I said, right, I want Paul, Paul and Julia. Because I've not got a chance to play with them, obviously, until next time. Mm-hmm. God knows when that'll be. So, yeah, so brought them down to do the songs. So, what's the first one you were going to play for us? Was um, you couldn't have come at a better time by Luca Bloom, uh, Kristen Moore's brother, Barry Moore. This thing's an absolute stonking tune. Mm. Um, great, 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 great song. An alternative tuning, which we spoke about earlier on with Alistair Hollett, which I probably couldn't still, I couldn't have played with him. Mm. And um, it's a great tune, and again, it's incorporating Irish traditional music with the Kesh Jig at the end of it. And I just think it's absolutely, we spoke about that favourite songs, I think that's probably one of it's one of my favourite songs to perform. Right, right. It's one of the ones, go-to songs, bang, great. We did the Benidorm Rovers, Casper's playing the Boran, it's fucking it's great, makes it a good lift. And uh, yeah, I fully enjoyed doing this song, so that was that was one of the songs I picked, so I wanted to do that. So, you couldn't have come at a better time.
wish this place be come to Don't know what to say We long to see each other Frightened of that day You met me in a foreign place Oh, you took me to the hill We're so good for each other No, we can't be still Second song, he's all want to play for us. <coughs> uh, Caledonia. I know. Classic. <laughs> Absolute classic. As much as obviously going about um, obviously my heritage, and I'm very, very, very lucky to be dual nationality, and I'm very, very, very proud to be Scottish. Very proud to be Scottish. My heritage is Irish, but I'm proud to be born in this country. And uh, I'm proud to be born in Scotland. Scotland's a great nation, and it should rise now. And be a nation again. <laughs> Get the fucking chance and missed it, Bill. Ah, fucked it. I hope for the second time round, um, <laughs> the older ones have the balls that took to put the right vote in. And um, that, was, that was a terrible night, actually. I sat through the night that night and, and, and devastated the opportunities that I could have actually created around yeah. the world. Created, yeah. created around the world to show 
that you could do as an independent state and then get rid of the nuclear weapons. And um, But, so, as much as I'm proud of my heritage, I'm proud as well to be born in this country, first-generation Scottish. And um, so, I'm going to think of being in Spain <laughs> and you've asked me to perform, I think I'm feeling a wee bit kind of homesick. <laughs> I think it was down here another... I'll play a bit of Caledonia. I, no, I think we've been here another week when probably don't sing a Spanish song. <laughs> Badly. Being homesick for Spain. And uh, a bit of sun. But no, uh, Caledonia. Um, I love it because Scotland is my home. As much uh, as... as I've obviously done a island is my home. But um, so, this is Caledonia. And uh, I think that's kind of unfitting to being back here just mm. now. Ideal, John Joe. Thanks again for coming along. I really, Legend, appre- I really appreciate that. I appreciate the coach. Right. Here's Caledonia. Yeah, it's been everything. 
him for the fire. Empty room for the forest choir. The flames are getting get any higher. They're with it now, they're gone. I'm steady thinking. One even fair as a was shining. This podcast is sponsored by Kelly's Bar, Howard Street, Glasgow. Live Irish music every week from your favourite singers and bands. Check out the Kelly's social media page for more information. The Rebel Collective Podcast.